Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 457. My name is Eric Nelson, and I have no co-host today because everybody's on the Thanksgiving break. But I thought I would just quick and do a, a recording anyway. Uh, so it is me, and on the on the show today, we're going to do a little bit about uh, AWS and the fact that we do have uh, ESXi running on a Raspberry Pi. So I thought I would just do a rundown of the stuff that we're going to have at AWS us and talk a little bit about that and just give everybody a showcase of what we're doing at Amazon and why we're there. So I thought it would be worthwhile doing that. So uh, that's going to be what I'm going to cover today on the show. Uh, but before I do that, uh, we'll just talk a little bit about the weather. Uh, Bay Area, the, the color of the Bay Report is going to be uh, gray because it is raining, which in California is a great thing because when it's raining in California, it means that uh, they're putting out all the fires, and so it has been raining all day. The air quality has uh, shot right back up. Thanks for those people that uh, uh, let us know that they're concerned about, one, the fires, and two, the air quality. So that looks like it's uh, recovering nicely. Uh, other than that, it is it is Thanksgiving. So from a news perspective, um, not, a, not, a lot of, not a lot of news. Everybody is getting ready for Amazon next week. Uh, we have... Four booths going to be at reInvent, uh, which should keep us per fairly busy. Um, there has been a lot of work that the community team has been doing to get there. Um, first thing we should talk about is where are we going to be? If you happen to be at reInvent, we are going to be in the ARIA. The ARIA, uh, I've been told, is like a second cousin. I'm not sure if that's true. I've been getting mis mixed reports with regard to where we've got our booth. But the reason we have it is we're going as VMware Code, the code community, and we're doing kind of a maker space. So that the ARIA is kind of for uh, maker projects and making things, that are, and it's kind of like hackers. So it makes sense. That VMware code is there. Uh, that's one thing. Second thing is booth space was available to get us there. So we thought that was neat. Um, so we will be at the ARIA. And then the idea behind it is not only to have the code booth there, but then also have a community gathering place. So if you're going to be uh, at reInvent, it would be cool if you guys came by and said hello uh, and let us know that you're there. We'd love to talk to everybody about what your AWS experience is like, um, why you're there, what are you doing there, uh, how can uh, the community from VMware support you. Um, and if you're not going to be there, we're also going to be live streaming, we're going to be doing social from there. Our goal is to get everybody uh, a little more exposure to the hybrid cloud environment, and AWS is obviously a big component of the hybrid cloud. So couple ideas there. One, we're going to do, we're going to be doing some code-related sessions, code-related activities. Two, we want to give the community um, people a chance to congregate, right? And and three, if you're not going to be at uh, AWS, but you're, you're listening to this, uh, you can go to the code Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash VMware code, and you actually can watch the live streams. A lot of the sessions, um, there's about maybe 60% that are repeats from VMworld, where a lot of the speakers that were doing Kubernetes talks or other various talks um, will be there, PowerShell, et cetera. Um, but there are about 35% uh, new talks on AWS services. Uh, the uh, Helios, I, I, I forget the name of the company, we just acquired uh, a couple of those founders are going to do a couple talks um, about Kubernetes and uh, what their consulting practices bringing to VMware. 
summer. Um, so uh, a few more code subjects and a few more AWS subjects uh, along with the, the traditional live stream that we did on the power sessions at VMworld. So you can go check those out. Plus we're going to swing the camera around and give people kind of some views of what the AWS audience looks like. So if you haven't been to AWS reInvent and you just want to kind of get the feel of it, um, we have Tommy Berry there. We're going to do some live streaming, uh, just kind of give you the sense of what does uh, AWS reInvent look like? What does it feel like? How many VMware people are there? And we'll go from there. So it's kind of a uh, let's go hack um, and uh, experience what we experience, bring the, the community or the VM10 community to, um, to AWS and, uh, and, and live a little bit of hybrid cloud environment. At the same time, there are going to be, uh, VMware is going to have a main booth in the expo, which I think is over in the Venetian. So, you know, quite a distance away from us. So, um, but they're supposed to have bus bus loops back and forth. So the VMware booths are going to be there. We're going to send Tommy Berry over um, and uh, you know, do some live streaming. Just give everybody a sense of what it looks like when we're there as a, as a vendor to support uh, Amazon. Uh, at the same time, I think we have a Wavefront booth, um, which is you know, just focused on Wavefront as an AWS uh, service. Uh, Bill Roth is going to be doing dual duty between our booth and the Wavefront team booth, so that'll be neat. He is the director of marketing for Wavefront, so a little bit of both because we're going to have Wavefront projects, as you might have heard of. What we did at, uh, we're changing up what we did at VMworld for the makerspace tables. We're kind of doing it on steroids, uh, so that should be fun. Uh, but Bill will be doing both of those, and then we have a uh, cloud health booth. So um, there's. Cloud Health is the acquisition we did where they manage a lot of the workloads, billing and automation control for workloads that are being uh, delivered on AWS. I think the, the, the storyline is that uh, about 40% of all AWS workloads are managed through Cloud Health. I don't know if that data, that, that's necessary true, but uh, that's what I've heard, but it is a significant number. So four booths that we have at Amazon, we'll send Tommy Berry out. So if you're following through social, you can get a sense. He'll do some live streaming. We'll do live streaming in the uh, area at our booth as well. I think there's 40 sessions that we'll be live streaming. Um, at the same time, then we have tables uh, and we are giving away Raspberry uh, Pi sensors, much like what we did at VMworld US, except we've expanded the number of sensors that we have uh, from one sensor we did at AWS reInvent, which was a barometric pressure sensor. It's actually a dual sensor uh, that has temp, barometric pressure, and one or two other signals. We did the lab with just temp, but you can uh, build a little, little, a little bit of code snippets that we'll plug in to Leota that will get the other data from those sensors. Uh, so we're doing a little bit more of a deep dive on the sensors and we're doing more sensors. So we have as uh, part of the sessions we're doing twice a day, we're doing uh, a joystick. So we have a joystick sensor. Uh, we have a, a uh, ultrasound uh, sensor that gives you distance from objects. We also have a uh, proximity sensor or a motion sensor so that you can, you can see when uh, somebody walks in the room or doesn't walk in the room. It just gives you a zero or one uh, when, when, it, when it goes off. So, um, and then we have, I think, 16 other sensors that we're not going to be drilling down. I have a half an hour session where I'll cover the other sensors. This is the sensor kit. I 
but a lot of you, uh, if you were at VMworld uh, Europe, you might have seen me show it, showcasing the uh, home automation sensor kit that you can buy off of Amazon for like $20. And it comes with 16 different sensors, kind of very convenient, uh, from voltage control, switch on and off, um, to uh, gas sensors, to uh, light sensors, to moisture sensor, et cetera, things that you would use if you were going to use a Raspberry Pi to do home automation. Uh, at the same time, we have a presentation that talks about our, uh, our uh, Pulse uh, products that uh, help you pull data from all kinds of these small devices and manage the software payloads that need to be managed when, you're ha when you have uh, large-scale uh, deployments of small IoT devices. And so there is logic to why we're presenting that because we have product uh, IoT Pulse that helps people do that. Uh, we have the automotive industry, the building industry, you know, managing large buildings. All of those sensors need to be updated, managed. So we have software that does a lot of that, that management. Uh, so in the same vein of managing VMs, you're managing these small devices, which really act as small compute nodes, right? Um, and managing the, the payload distribution and update and uh, status and health of, of all of those, those devices, much the way we do the same thing for managing large-scale numbers of VMs. Uh, so that, uh, that, that should be interesting in the makerspace. We are giving away a couple thousand sensors, so the, the deal is you can come into the area uh, watch one of our presentations, one of our 40 presentations on our own products, whether it be Wavefront or Kubernetes um, or VMC and AWS. Um, and then by sitting and watching that 30-minute presentation, you get a sensor card. You can trade it in for a sensor. We'll scan you to join you up to code, and away you go. You can go to the makerspace tables where we have a couple proctors helping you try to build out uh, whatever you want to build out. We have a couple of little things you can build out with those. We'll have Raspberry Pis there. I think we're giving away eight Raspberry Pis um, uh, per day. So we'll, we'll give away some. We have little cards with stars on them. If you get a card with a star, you, 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 you get a Raspberry Pi depending on whether you're asking good questions during the sessions or other, other ways to get those in the booth. So that should be kind of the, the environment you come in. You can actually register for code, and we have a coffee bar. We have Espresso uh, Barista there that can make you a barista. If you're interested in uh, coming in and engaging with us, you get a, a coffee card. You also get a sensor card, and you can uh, pick up your coffee, come to the tables, and, uh, and learn a little bit about uh, how VMware does things. Uh, and since we have that Raspberry Pi uh, environment, the, the other thing that uh, you know, I wanted to talk about today is the uh, ESX on Raspberry Pi. So we're running uh, Raspberry Pi 3, uh, 3B pluses, I believe. Uh, and so the 3B pluses have uh, about a gig of memory on, on them, and then they have an SD slot that allows you to put in whatever SD size card you want for storage. So you get about a, a gig of memory to play with some things that are running on that, and then you have you have obviously storage. You also have onboard Ethernet, onboard Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, so uh, onboard audio, uh, and a HDMI uh, graphics card in there uh, that that gets you HDMI out. So those little Raspberry Pis are pretty pretty nice little compute units. Uh, they can act as full-on desktops, but they also have 
I'm, I'm guessing 20 uh, I.O. in and in outs um, that you can use to obviously grab data from sensors. So kind of a neat, neat little compute unit that can be a full desktop environment. And on the desktop side of these guys, they, they do have a full OS with a uh, full uh, uh, browser, HTML5, I think, based browser. Uh, they have, I think they have Flash enabled, so, you know, it'll play videos. You can go to the modern websites and it all behaves properly. So it's a, it's a nice little compute unit if you're interested in a, a cheap $39 desktop. Uh, it acts as a nice little 30 down desktop. They run on USB power. Some of the, I got a little USB power cable that flips down from my USB power port on my monitor, right? And we'll drive the Raspberry Pi right off the monitor power. So you don't really need anything other than the Raspberry Pi and a monitor, mouse, and keyboard. Um, but anyway, we have those. And in the Raspberry Pi land, um, the, you know, the ESX, uh, ESX team uh, out of Boston, they have a research team there, um, decided to put ESX on the Raspberry Pi. You have a gig. Uh, so it's an ARM processor, uh, which, you know, if you know, ARM is incompatible with Intel instruction sets and CPU. So guys went ahead and uh, ported it to the ARM instruction set. And uh, they have a nice presentation that I have, they've given me, uh, that you know, talks about you know, why we'd want to do uh, ESX. It's a cute project, right, in that you can put it on ARM. And there are certainly uh, conversations around um, the number of, uh, number of CPUs you can have in ARM if you start talking Kubernetes and deploying uh, quick little uh, uh, present a uh, quick little uh, OS deploys for Kubernetes. Um, there's uh, there's reasons to have an ARM-based compute solution. I think HP has a large-scale uh, system. I don't want to say how many ARM processors it is, but it's like a thousand or some large number of of those. So in a real sense, um, there is a strategic advantage of why we might want to have. Uh, ESX on ARM, and so that's what uh, we're going to talk about uh, today, and we'll get through that now. And we're back. So, in a real sense, um, I thought I would first just all right before I get into you know edge computing and why it makes sense and what's the strategy for uh, putting ESX on ARM. I thought I would just talk a little bit about um, what I have and what I'm going to demo at uh, AWS reInvent. So thanks to the team in Boston, um, we actually have a a build zero um, of a ARM ESXi, and we have that. You basically can provision that on an SD chip, right? It's fairly easy to provision. It's just files that you drop on. You have to format your SD card uh, in the normal way. They have, you know, a formatting app, SD card formatter from the from the sd.org org. You can Google that and go find that. You have to then uh, load load the uh, you know, format the SD card. Once you got the SD card formatted with partition, you can actually just drop the binaries right on the SD card, and that's all you do. That's the install for that. So it's relatively straightforward to actually get a booting uh, ESX if you have the uh, the 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 file system for it that you can drop on it. Obviously, we're not distributing the build yet, um, and the build is very preliminary. Um, just to give you a sense of where it's at. It'll boot up. It runs the ESX kernel. Um, it it uh, it. 
identifies a, a known network interface, so it doesn't work on all the network interfaces for the for Raspberry Pis. Um, so I actually had to go get a specific USB dongle uh, and plug that in for it to sense the correct uh, the correct uh, network card. Once once it saw that though, then it boots up, it initializes the the device, and um, you get the classic yellow screen with the "Hey, I'm up" and point your browser at HTTP colon slash slash one eight two one sixty eight dot whatever dot whatever one dot you know two and uh, and you're up and running now that's the, that's where most everything else stops so they don't have uh, this is build zero they've got the kernel running uh, you can SSH into it so they have SSH running you can set the root password um, it behaves like a proper OS um, but that's about as far as the build is at this point right they don't have uh, the uh, whatever they're running for web services running yet like whether it's I think Apache the doc root isn't there I, you know yes and look around uh, where they typically would put the uh, the dock root and uh, the the HTML5 client there or the web server that provides you an interface uh, it doesn't exist so that's all you get um, I'm not com uh, I'm not good enough at the command line there to know whether there are any command lines that that will allow me to create a, a VM via the command line I might go play with that later uh, I suspect not the engineer that gave me the builds look there's there's nothing there you can't run VMs yet uh, it's the kernels up and running and then he's going to be building in the features that will you know host VMs and so forth so uh, but we'll have it there you can see it uh, it's 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 quite fine you can SSH into it you can look around um, I don't think I'm gonna go I, I, I could go get uh, a compiled arm uh, Apache and then go pull the HTML interface from a working ESX and probably make that work but uh, I got other things to do so I'm probably not going to do that uh, but it, it, it will be there and it's, it's pretty cool um, and so now we can we can get into you know why why what's the logic behind this um, and uh, they gave me a nice slide presentation on uh, what it is and why we're doing it why we think it's important um, so the, the first slide, and I'll just kind of go through these slides with you. Uh, we're not uh, live streaming here, so I can't, I can't show you what I'm looking at here, but I thought I'd just talk through it. Um, first slide is the emergence of edge computing uh, in what they believe is infrastructure poised to play an increasing important role in service deployments, right? Um, high latency workloads hosted on uh, tens of cloud providers. Um, so the idea that you're putting the high latency apps out near the edge, I think is what they're talking about here. Um, cloud becoming a uniform experience encompassing services such as stream, stream processing, machine learning, forecasting, and, and more, which execute in optimal location based on the application requirements. So pushing the app out to the edge, right? And if you're pushing the app out to the edge, that means it has the app has to run on something, has to run on a platform. And so cloud services that are pushed out to the edge uh, might require the, the actual platform to be pushed out on the edge. And, uh, and so here's where, you know, you start getting into needing an operating system, needing a platform. And, uh, and obviously we have a lot of management infrastructure and optimization around ESX. So so if you can put ESX out on the edge, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, edge is not general purpose compute, but use case specific infrastructure. So uh, they give uh, examples of platform deploying services, smart gateways for IoT, UCPE for NFV. Uh, it's not a platform for end customers of deployed services, but more like an appliance. 
So that's kind of interesting, the edge model, and that's what we're looking at. And then uh, deployed outside of traditional lab and data center environments. Uh, these will, diver will exist in diverse environments and form factors. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And edge will be deployed at scale, need to solve life cycle security and resilience concerns. So if you're putting these apps out on the edge, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, all again about low latency workloads running on millions of IoT gateways. So that's the where the emergence of edge computing is. So the whole slide goes around that. And I'll, I'll publish these out on my Twitter account uh, later. So if you guys are watching this or watching following me, I'll definitely put this slide deck out. They've given me permission to uh, talk about this, talk about the build. Um, obviously not allowed to distribute the build, modify the build, but I am allowed to talk about it. And they gave me these slides to talk about why they're doing it. So uh, edge gate, uh, gateway virtualization, more control, efficiency, security in uh, ways customers deploy edge servers. So uh, things, uh, the three-tier architecture is the things themselves, whether it be buildings, cars, robots, uh, uh, monitoring uh, data, temperature, that kind of stuff. Uh, you have the edge gateway, right, where you might have a full uh, platform that's out on the edge, um, a virtualized smart gateway, um, uh, and that you, you want to have uh, maybe some isolation between the tenants on this edge gateway. Uh, and so they have an architecture for the edge gateway, right? It could be an x86 or a 64-bit ARM, uh, so a smart gateway, right? Uh, on top of that, we can run VMware ESXi, right? So if you put VMware ESXi on it, then you can, uh, you can use uh, VMs on top of that, right, which give you kind of isolated... Uh, tenants, right, to, to manage and run your apps uh, out on the edge, right? So, um, and you can have an NSX Edge, a controller VM, uh, a, a tenant app in a VM, uh, multiple tenant apps in, in the VMs, and then you kind of have the uh, gateway consolidation, isolation between tenants. Um, you can do application management, lifecycle management the way we've always done it. Um, and then it's resilient and fault tolerant, uh, high availability, um, and then virtualization gives you related security capabilities. So uh, when you're building these edge gateways, uh, running them on top of SX makes sense, and then running them on top of an ARM processor makes sense to be able to manage that. Uh, and then the, the third, the third uh, tier here, so we have the things, we have the edge gateway, and then we obviously have core cloud back in your on-prem or your uh, private or public cloud environment that can connect to this and you manage uh, all of that infrastructure the same way, which actually is uh, kind of a, an impressive architecture, which is why if we start talking about ESXi uh, on ARM, um, these small ARM devices can be out there. It makes a lot of sense. So I'll move into 64-bit ARM virtualization at the edge, uh, part of our any device story for, for VMware Cloud Edge. Um, so. But before I do that, I'm going to pick a pause. All right, we're back. We got interrupted there, but uh, thought we would just take a break at uh, 12:30. We're trying to be real time here, but there's lots going on for the the holiday, Thanksgiving, etc. So, uh, so we're just talking about ARM. It makes a lot of sense why we're doing this. 
it actually makes sense that uh, it's edge solution. Um, and I've kind of give you a sense of where we're at. Um, and it, it, it kind of plays into that any device story for VMware uh, cloud to edge, right? So any device anywhere, including virtualization, uh, you can see where once you've got ESX running, uh, you could also then uh, get uh, containers involved there so that we could have a container strategy there. So if you want to run containers on small devices, you can. Um, uh, there's a large set of 64-bit platforms. They have a slide on that. 64-bit ARM. Um, it's not just Raspberry Pis. Raspberry Pi is one of the uh, one of just kind of a fun one that they're doing. But there's also platforms they call out in the, in the slides. So um, ARM platform standards, a uh, bunch of standards there. There's I/O standards there. So they're kind of looking at you know how to how to how to plug. Uh, plug the standards into building uh, ESX for, for these multiple platforms. I could see uh, that makes sense. Um, they did do the uh, Resilient Edge demo at uh, VMworld 2018 uh, in Vegas. So it was part of the keynote. Um, so we did uh, demonstrate uh, some of this some of this work on x86 and ARM. Uh, so they, they talk a little bit about that. Um, and then, uh, you know, they, they, they do have a, hey, this is what it looks like. We've got it up. We've got it running. Uh, you can SSH into the, into the box and, and see that they actually have it running uh, on there. While the PMPI is re realistically too constrained for practical use, the demo of ESXi Pi represents a promise that VMware understands edge solutions to include low-end resource-constrained devices, and that ESXi will scale across a full set of edge components. So this gets back to there are plenty of ARM-based uh, solutions with standards that they're working on. They just did the, the Raspberry Pi one to make a point that, in fact, you can, uh, you can run on these guys. Um, and uh, they claim that it boots in 400 megabytes uh, of RAM. So uh, that gives you a whole 600 meg uh, for a really small other OS, right? Which uh, having installed a bunch of Raspberries, you can definitely um, do that if you want to. Um, so um, that's what they're doing. That's the, that's, the, that's the story behind Raspberry Pi. It's basically we're, they're showcasing what our ARM uh, edge compute uh, model will look like. They don't particularly think that, it'll, that this will be relevant for Raspberry Pis, but it'll be res relevant for ARM-based, small node, uh, edge-type um, environments where you call that the edge gateway, where you're running multiple VMs to uh, provide uh, edge services to your, your things, right? So the Internet of Things, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, which is what we're doing kind of in the makerspace at the same time, just showing you how to collect data from these things, pull the data back uh, uh, and get it up to AWS to, to use that data in, in various various places. Uh, we don't actually uh, use in our labs, we don't, we don't try to use the edge gateway model. We just uh, grab the data from the things. Uh, the IoT Pulse uh, app does run um, uh, on the Raspberry Pi, so it acts almost as a small edge gateway uh, that then can proxy the data uh, back to various places. And the IoT Pulse Leota uh, framework can, you know, you can, you can direct your data uh, from that Edge uh, gateway running on the Raspberry Pi uh, off to off to the the places in your hybrid cloud, on-prem, 
private or public cloud environments. Uh, so, so that makes sense. So that's kind of uh, the whole idea there. And when you get out into Amazon reInvent, the reason we think it's neat for Amazon reInvent is that there are a lot of people building edge-type um, applications, uh, hardware and software, and a lot of these, a lot of the guys um, that are that are in the startup land are coming in, building devices, building the software for the devices, building the cloud services for the devices, and uh, that's kind of sometimes what AWS type of people are there to experience. And since we're in the uh, area, we thought the Leota, Pulse, that whole environment is kind of fun to look at and provide solutions and let people learn about VMware. At the same time, give the VMware ecosystem, uh, the community ecosystem, a place to congregate and come in and see what this is all about and learn what what it's all about. So uh, that's why we're there. Uh, that's why the community team's there. We have V Brownbag with Alistair there. That's the idea behind that is that uh, V Brownbag has brought some community talks there so that uh, the community can, con can congregate. Uh, we're going to have a, a table that we'll be able to share some stickers uh, and, and engage with people. Uh, and then it's a, an, an, an outbound social activity. So you've probably seen me start to tweet a lot more over the last week or so, talking about setting up, getting ready, just to let everybody know that, hey, the world is changing. VMware is there. We have 15 different products that run out on Amazon natively uh, that you can use uh, as part of our Anima Amazon web service uh, portfolio. Uh, at the same time, uh, you might want to be augmenting your data center services on-prem with uh, AWS uh, compute resources. That's VMC and AWS is perfect for that. Uh, and so, you know, we want to make sure that uh, we're inclusive of that and making sure that our community programs get out to where you guys are at. We obviously have VMUGs. We're always supporting VMUGs and making sure that in your towns we have ways to engage, but also getting to some of the, the big uh, places out there that are game-changing that we're also impacting. And I, I like it because I've always seen VMware be able to turn direction, right? They're not just in love with their own direction, they're also in love with where the apps are going, where the compute infrastructure is going, where the network infrastructure is going, where storage infrastructure is going. And let me tell you, it is moving fast. Um, it's moving fast when we talk about the ways that people can build uh, new apps, uh, serverless app uh, infrastructure, uh, some of the uh, the, you know, some of the stuff is uh, a little bit esoteric when you start, you know, talking about app objects that are, you know, delivering all over the place. But um, very, you know, it's, it's where the where the industry is going, and I think VMware keeps up with that and forces the community to keep up with it as well. So uh, fun times uh, over the next week as we uh, keep moving forward. Um, we will be there. And then after that, we, we come back and we'll start doing more traditional uh, community-oriented stuff that we're working you know, with the groups looking into 2019. Uh, I think everybody will take a, a week off and uh, recharge because between VMworld uh, US, VMworld Europe, and now uh, Amazon reInvent, uh, we have been on the road, it feels like, for uh, a lot of the time. Um, so that'll be, it'll be nice to get a little bit of time off before we hit it again. But uh, looking forward to seeing everybody again next week as, as we get there. Once we get back, we'll start uh, doing some more traditional podcasts uh, where we'll get some people in on uh, so many of these new products that are out there. And uh, people to come in and talk about you know how it's going where they're at um, we're, we seem to be buying a new cloud service um, 
either a platform as a service or uh, application as a service <laughs> once a quarter. So there's plenty of people to interview when it comes to uh, doing this stuff. All right, so that's where we're at there. Sorry, this has been a little bit choppy, but thought I would just take everybody through um, the tweet that I did about Raspberry uh, ESXi on Raspberry Pi. Uh, now I've done that, talked about the strategy behind it. Um, I met everybody, got uh, great feedbacks. Uh, a lot of people said, if I don't improve this audio, it's really hard to listen to. Um, we tend to have different audio standards with the podcast when it comes to doing live versus pre-recorded. Since we do everything live, we get what we get at the moment we get it. Um, we do have good mics and we do have reasonably good audio gear. Uh, the trouble has been we've been splitting it between Facebook and um, out to talk to. Oddly enough, when I listen to audio in my headphones here, when I'm doing this podcast, the audio is perfect, right? Um, in my headphone, what I hear, what I think I'm uh, broadcasting sounds really nice. Deep, rich, perfect audio. When I get go listen to TalkShoe, it seems like it's um, roll the dice. And there's a couple things that seem to go on with TalkShoe. One, I think they do compression. Uh, they do real-time audio, so I think they're also doing compression to, to manage uh, storage or real-time streaming out to people that are dialed in. And so the quality of the audio degrades just by the fact that they're doing work to save the audio and do live streaming. Because we have, um, this is one of the few podcasts where you can dial in. We do it real time. Uh, if you talk to John Troyer, some of these other guys, everybody is even, uh, you know, the, 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 the common podcasts that are out there now, um, virtual speaking and others. All those guys don't, no, but none, none of them do it live. They're all doing pre-recorded podcasts and then publishing a really beautiful, you know, uh, podcast based on um, non-live engagement. So uh, one of the problems we have is that when we start going live, we want to have 20, 30 people be able to dial in on the call. It drives us back to TalkShoe. And then the audio quality on TalkShoe, we have not ma mastered yet. Oddly enough, the audio quality on Facebook Live tends to be really good. For whatever reason, when we record it, it sounds a lot like what it sounds like when I have my headphones on. So we are still trying. We got a lot of feedback from both VMworlds on audio quality. We are going to try to improve that when we get back in December. See if we can get both, um, both of them working correctly. Just... As an example, uh, TalkShoe just went, gave me a big red flag going, hey, uh, your internet connection is weaker than it needs to be right now. And so I have a feeling audio quality just went south. Now it's back green again. So there is also the real-time nature of the internet and how well the internet is working when it's recording uh, my audio back up onto TalkShoe. But we are going to look at it in December. So that's one other thing we'll do uh, into, into the next year is we'll look at the uh, audio quality. Um, some other feedback I got for VMworld, which I, I thought was really good, uh, was you know kind of the no news, jump right into the show um, and, and get into the show soon. Don't spend the first 10 minutes talking about the news. I don't care about the news, um, which is great feedback. Um, I also get feedback the opposite way, right? Which is, hey, we like the banter. We like the guests and the banter and the chatting from the community members. Um, and when I drop the news and drop that and we just get into the show content, uh, 
Um, we get people that uh, also give me feedback on the other side of the house. Um, I listen to that. Um, if I, I, I like to keep the news shorter, actually, and uh, it's less rambling. So uh, if I can, we will try to ramble less, keep news shorter, uh, just because I think it's more relevant to get to the guests and get to the subjects versus listening to me like you are doing right now. So sorry about that. But it is Thanksgiving and it's a holiday podcast. I just There's nobody in the building. I just came in, sat in the podcast studio, and thought I would just talk a little bit about AWS next week. So here we go. Um, so we got feedback from VMworlds. One, uh, somebody else gave me uh, some good, uh, good ideas. They would like a once a quarter podcast, a uh, throwback podcast. Go back and look at some of the old topics and some of the old school things that have been happening in IT and take a topic and talk about it. So whether it's uh, connecting through UUCP before the internet uh, existed, uh, we set up SCO Unixes and we had networks of SCO Unixes that uh, would talk out to UUCP servers delivering mail and creating kind of a quasi-internet even though there wasn't an internet. So those throwback things to old uh, CPUs and you know old versions of VMware. So I got some feedback that some of that stuff was really neat and that we should be teaching new people that are joining IT, some of the old history behind IT, uh, one, so that the, there's a deeper knowledge that everybody has around how we got here, and then two, you know, helping people not make the same mistakes that, uh, that we've all lived through uh, multiple times. So I thought that was a neat idea, so thanks for the feedback of people that uh, kind of uh, talked a little bit about uh, what they liked about the podcast and what they didn't like about the podcast, so uh, thanks for that. Um, we enjoy doing it. Uh, we have been absent the last couple of weeks because we were on the road for VMworld. Uh, we were on the road. We're getting on the road for AWS, and there hasn't been a, a moment uh, to spare. That's it. So things I'm thankful for. Uh, I am thankful for uh, the team that, that we work uh, with and the friends that I've made and the, the people that have generally been nice to me, even though I, I don't think really I deserve it. And, but the great people that have worked around me over the, over the, over the years. But I think my strategy for the community has been enable the community, uh, protect the community, and give people that are listening to this the ability to uh, run their own communities. Right? So the idea of the FB Expert program was to enable everyone to be evangelists, to run their own outbound sharing capability. Um, on my Twitter thing, I'm a community guy, and some people ask, are you, are you crazy? Are you serious about that? And uh, I am a community guy. I'm a community guy in the sense that I love sharing. I love to be able to teach and share, and I can't teach that much because I'm not that smart of a guy, but I love the idea, and maybe it's because I'm not that smart of a guy. I love when people teach me, that I can go read something, see how William Lamb is doing it, see how some of these other great people are doing it, um, and then just learn it because it's hard for me because I'm actually not that smart. And so being able to manage systems and learn how to manage systems and solve problems and get things up and running uh, from everyone else, uh, I've always depended on that. And uh, so when I moved into marketing uh, from uh, engineering, I was in engineer for probably 10 or 15 years. Before that, I was an IT administrator before I went into engineering. Uh, I did two degrees. I did one in uh, computer science and I did another one in marketing. Uh, so I was dual track and I bounced back and forth. Um, 
I like uh, learning from people. I like enabling the sharing. Um, when you talk marketing, I like enabling you know the, the thousand, one thousand, five hundred, and two thousand V experts that can actually that have done this, that have built out data centers, that have done their VC uh, VCDX uh, presentations and got approved. These are the guys that can help everybody else that maybe will never have the brains or the smartness or the time to go get their VCDX. Right. Um, what we want to do is take these VCDX. And, and, and share it, right? Share that knowledge. Uh, and uh, this is what uh, the community programs have been. So what I'm thankful for is that I get to spend my days uh, helping you guys help everybody else, right? And promoting these great people. And sometimes people think that I think I'm great or that I should be a leader of these people or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm not that caliber of a person. What I am is a, you know, I'm a program manager. I can help and I can try to build some programs to help those people. I will never be as good an administrator. I will never be as good a, a PowerShell scripter um, uh, as, as, as a lot of the people out there. But uh, it is fun to enable everyone to be able to share this stuff and promote these people that are doing really great work. And that's been uh, one of the things I'm most thankful for. And then having a team of people in, uh, in the marketing group that, that we run called Communities that is actually there to also do that same charter, right? It's not about us. It's about everybody in the community that's creating the content, that are doing a great job, uh, and that are learning and sharing, and then building platforms and programs that help other people learn how to learn, right? So people make fun of cloud credibility sometimes, right? Because it's a lightweight platform, um, but it has grown up. It has some really serious content in it now. But the idea is if you're new to our ecosystem, and you want to learn how to learn. Who do I follow? Where do I follow? What do I need to learn? Um, that we have an entry place that you can come in and start learning who the 2,000 experts are, how to follow them, what type of information I want to learn, whether it's vSAN or whether it's that. Uh, if I can onboard people into experiencing the community as I know it, then that's a great thing. So I'm thankful that I've been able to uh, engage with everybody this year and try to promote um, the likes of everybody that's doing such great content out there, all the bloggers, the thousand bloggers we have, the, the, the cloud card players themselves, the HOL people, all the support people for HOL, uh, to all the V experts and everybody that's out there, to everybody that's just tweeting neat things. Uh, I'm thankful for the being able to engage with everybody and engage with the people on my team who also just work a lot, right? I think in the community business, the community business is a thankful, is a thank, everyone thanks you, but you, they do not really know there is never an end uh, to, the, to the amount of work we have to do. There's always more work to be done. There's always more retweeting. There's always more uh, promotion of the content. There's always more metrics to get that upstairs. There's always more funding that we need to do. And the community team, whether it be Corey Romero, uh, Tommy Berry, uh, Kripa, uh, Citroen to um, now we have Tej for the blogger program, uh, Ch Tej Cheatham to uh, everybody on the team, Julia Klaus uh, for all the video live streaming she does, to Val Desir, Home Labber, and uh, the work he's doing on the VExpert Pro program to recruit more programs, uh, more uh, 
the experts in country, in language. Um, this stuff is just stuff that you just constantly never get done. So thankful for the whole team for doing that. And, uh, and thankful for everybody that listens to this podcast because I, I, I don't deserve it. Um, but I do try to get some guests and we do try to expose com- all the community activities that are going on so that if you're out in the globe somewhere uh, across the U.S. or around the, na- around the world, um, you get some exposure to all the things that we're trying to work with you guys on to help you um, move the VMware ecosystem uh, forward, and hopefully everybody's having fun with that. So that's it. That's my Thanksgiving podcast. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm going home over the break to load, I think, uh, 20 uh, Raspbian OSs on SD cards so that when we get the uh, AWS reInvent, the, all of the OSs will be there. We'll probably give away all the Raspberry Pis like we did the last two shows. Um, and so I have to reload them all again and get them set up. Uh, we'll do that over the break, put some slides together, uh, and then hit the road to get to Vegas for one more week of fun. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will be back with regularly scheduled guests uh, once AWS reInvent is complete. All right. Uh, no V barbecue report at the end of the show. Um, there have been some great V barbecue reports that have been running around. Valdester made some great steak. Uh, I called him on it. But the pictures were so good. I thought that they were fake, but uh, apparently they're not. And uh, I should uh, post a picture of the view from the podcast studio. We have rain and clouds and no more blue smoke. Thank goodness. With that, have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you guys all tell the people you love you love them, and I hope you have lots to be thankful for as well. We'll see you again in a couple weeks.